2: Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. After a comfortable win in the season opener, Michigan welcomes Pac-12 school Washington to the big house for a primetime matchup. We've got everything you need to know heading into that game here on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be talking to you here. We've got a game in the rearview mirror and we've got one. One coming up here Saturday night. I know you guys love those late night games. This isn't seven or seven thirty either. It's eight o'clock. Yeah, yeah. like 805, 8.10. games over like midnight. We get out of the press box at like three a.m. Can't wait. Hope people tune into those Facebook lives. Uh, the Facebook live I'm going to do after the game, real late night. You know, Aaron, are you going to try
0: and sneak in a Red Bull this game and actually get it in with you? So you didn't yeah, fire that.
1: Like, probably need like two of them, really. And like an afternoon nap before you to the stadium. Anyway, well, yeah.
2: yes, of course.
0: Positive we get to watch Oregon, Ohio State, though, at noon.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, that was a tough one to pick in our Big Ten uh, against the spread picks, which I absolutely dominated week Let's one. Let's
0: not talk about that.
2: All right. So, yeah, we've got, we've got Washington now. And I just kind of want to get into right away, like, do you guys think Michigan is going to win this game?
1: I do. And if you would have asked me that, of, like, before last week, I – you know, I had it as a toss-up game. I thought it was a game Michigan probably could and, and should win just because of the home team. Washington's crossing the country. But after we saw the, the way they played last week, I mean, I'm talking about Washington week one against Montana, yep. didn't play well at home. Michigan dominated Western at home. I think they looked better than many of us thought they would. I lean Michigan at this point. I, I, you mentioned the against the spread picks we had this week. I picked Michigan to to cover the six and a half or whatever it is now. I think they went by touchdown easily this game.
0: Yeah, I, I also pit them to, to win by a touchdown or at least a touchdown, but I don't know. I'm still a little hesitant, like, like Jim Harbaugh said, the second game is always the hardest to prepare for because you have a little minimal sample size of, of what the other team was able to do in week one. And I don't think Washington is as bad as they were against Montana. And and who knows, they could really show just a lot of different things here in, in week two that, that Michigan might not be prepared for, but In the end, I mean, Michigan should win this game at at home. There's a lot riding on on this game at home. And if they can resemble anywhere near what they showed on on Saturday, I think they get the job done. I don't think it will be very high-storing, though.
1: I would say the biggest adjustments in football in general are generally from week one to week two. So I think you are going to see a better prepared and probably a better Washington team on Saturday. But they're not at home this time. They're playing a lot better of a caliber opponent. In Michigan, I thought defensively. I mean, they got some cl- things to clean up. The penalties have to go away, and they've got some other things to take care of, especially in, in the, the backfield. But like, they look pretty good. So I, I think they they stand the benefit the most here, being the home team and the big crowd and and
2: everything else. So from from Aaron to Ryan to me, we're getting we're getting more and more cautious as we go down the line because I took the points here in, in our in our contest with Washington kind of kind of talking about what Aaron was saying at the start I don't want to overreact too much to just one game and before the season yeah this was one of those toss-up ones but in the end when we had to pick our record for Michigan uh, I picked it as a loss and I kind of feel like you guys did too maybe you didn't go specifically game by game but at seven and five you kind of figured this this was going to be one of one of the losses now you have to adjust once you actually like see the games happen or else you're you're just a fool and obviously Michigan, maybe exceeding expectations. Washington definitely disappointing. But like there was a reason they were ranked number 20 to to start the season. They're, you know, a Pac-12 contender. And, and I still like a lot of the talent on the defensive side of the ball. And they played really well on that side. So I think Michigan will have, have a little trouble moving moving the ball, um, especially without Ronnie Bell, which we can talk about. And I, and I think it'll be close, but yeah, let's, let's talk about kind of what we learned like this week from from Michigan side. You know, there were a lot of different things, discussed some topics that, that came up several times. And one of those storylines is, of course, Ronnie Bell. Uh, so Bell is out for the year with a knee injury, which is just terribly disappointing for him. And this team, you know, looked to have a true, really star, super senior season and, you know, start, started off that way on Saturday. But, you know, you, looking forward, like, what are the thoughts on, on who potentially, you know, steps up and how it affects Michigan's offense?
1: You know, that was the, I guess, the number one question this week. It was asked to the coaches and the players. And and before it was even asked, my, my thought process was kind of what they all said. It's going to, the ball's going to have to be spread around more. I don't think mm-hmm. they can replicate Ronnie Bell. I don't think they have another receiver on the roster that can do that. They they do have some guys that, they think that, that can do different things. I think Dalen Baldwin adds an interesting element in his size and, his ability to go up and get 50-50 balls. Um, you've got some speedier guys that are le- less experienced that can fill that slot role, but I, I think the ball is gonna be distributed a little bit more. I think it's gonna put more pressure on Cade McNamara and the receivers to make more plays because look, Michigan just lost its biggest playmaker in the in the, you know in the passing game. Uh you saw what Ronnie Bell could do Saturday when he broke that. He had A, they, he had that one-handed catch. I thought was fantastic. Obviously, got called back, and then he had the touchdown catch, but that's what you're, you're losing with them. That was explosive. Deep balls aren't going to be there every game, so they're going to have to do some things differently with the receivers. It's probably going to affect their passing game a little bit, a little bit, and it might put more pressure on the on the uh, the running game. The answer isn't isn't simple. I don't think it's one guy. I don't think it's a couple guys. It's probably multiple guys. You're going to have to see a couple guys that are going to have to step up and show that they're ready to play at this level. Whether it's a Roman Wilson or an AJ Henning or Mike Sanders, still who I think we still are waiting to br- to see break out, but it's it's not one guy
0: you made an interesting point with, with Ronnie Bell and his couple like big explosive plays in the last game. But like for me, I never envisioned him as that, that big play guy. I envision, envisioned him more as like that reliable guy that can move the chains on third down, pick up eight, 10 yards, come up with the big catch when, when needed. And I don't think anyone else is, is, is shown to be as reliable as him. I think the deep threat shouldn't be an issue. I think Cornelius Johnson should should eventually develop in, into that option possibly Dale and Baldwin, but it's more of just Cade being able to trust the guy on I don't know, third and five to run a, a quick out route uh, near the sideline, make a catch, be ready for when the ball is delivered, that type of thing. And Ronnie was just exemplary in, in that aspect. So it's going to be tough. I really think now they're going to lean on Blake Corum and Hassan Hastings even more. Um, they were really impressive in the opener. And it's going to be interesting to see just how much more they could possibly use Blake in the passing game as well. I mean, that one touchdown was on a quick swing pass, getting him in space and letting him letting him do his thing and make those explosive plays. I would look for, for more of Blake Corum in all aspects of the game moving forward.
2: I was, uh, you know, Cornelius Johnson got the Wolverine confidential stamp of approval before the season. I'm not abandoning that yet but kind of even as the season was approaching the more and more i thought about it i kind of like dalen baldwin you know he, he was productive you know it was at a lower level of college football but still and we weren't hearing his name so much in the weeks leading up to the season but like now we know that's because he was he was hurt and then there was a chance he wasn't even going to play on saturday He you know they, they put him out there because you know bell then you know went down and, and they needed someone else and he comes up with with a big play, kind of a nice you know mid route adjustment, you know on that on that McCarthy highlight touchdown. So yeah, I'm I'm thinking that that he could be potentially that guy. You know, there's there's the issue of, of returning punts now as well. You know, Harbaugh <laughs> basically admitted what we suspected, which is that guys had trouble catching the ball, you know, in camp, and that's why Bell was back there, and that's why Caden Colasar took his place because he's sure-handed. Now Harbaugh it seems would prefer to use Colasar elsewhere. On punt return and let, you know, one of the more explosive receivers take over the actual returning duties. Colasar, by the way, his dad, John was a wide receiver at Michigan uh, from 85 to 88, caught 61 passes, including probably from my notes, 27 from Jim Harbaugh, but we digress there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they probably want to want to have someone else, but that's something to watch, I guess, whether, whether it's Colasar again, or if they've, you know, gained confidence in someone else back there on Saturday.
0: Yeah, what a polarizing topic this has become this week with, I mean, <laughs> debating whether should Michigan use their, their top guys? And it, was it a risk worth taking, but like, as you know, I mean, Michigan has used their top guys in the past at punt return, whether it be Jabril Peppers or, or Charles Woodson, but yeah, I mean, now they appear really thin at that punt return spot. You need an explosive play by back there. I mean, I think AJ Henning gives you the, is your best option in that regard. If you're, you're up big and you cannot afford a turnover and you're probably not going to be returning the ball, if they're punting from like the 50, you just want a guy back there that's to make the fair catch and not fumble the ball, then maybe you go with Colesar. Maybe it's a little bit of a depending on situation thing. But yeah, right now, it, there's no clear answer for Michigan heading into this game.
1: It's a natural, I think, tendency to question why maybe Ronnie Bell was returning punts. But I, on the flip side of that, I, I wonder... Had Ronnie Bell not got injured on Saturday, would any of us be questioning him returning punts? No, probably not. That was an
0: incredible 31-yard return he had
1: there. Right, and and look, it's not like he's his first time returning punts. He's done it before. I mean, Michigan relied on him a couple years ago. So he's obviously one of the more experienced guys. They felt most comfortable with him back there. and. It was a freak accident. It happened. It could have happened any other time. It could have happened when he was, you know, at the end of a, of a catch and he's getting tackled. So, you know, they they got to figure that out. Punt return, they're going to have to figure it out. Because, I mean, in the past, it's it's been, a you know, an important part of their special teams. Now, granted, they're probably not going to get a ton of returns and it's not going to become a huge thing. Um, but you do want someone you're comfortable with back there and is capable of, of pulling explosive runs. So they're going to have to figure it out. I mean, they've got guys on the roster. I don't think there's any question. In fact, Dax Hill was asked the other day about it because he returned punts in high school. He said, "Not he his to cup do it. of
2: tea." he said. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but he'll He's do a, it if asked.
1: Yes, yes. So, I mean, there a guy that's there. They just got to find someone who's, who's comfortable. But either way, Ronnie Bell, you know losing him, it not only affects the Michigan in the receiving game, obviously, but in in special teams as well because of his explosive nature and his his ability down the field. I mean, you saw what he did on Saturday. That throw, what'd you say it was a 31 yard punt return before he got tackled and injured. So. They got some things to figure out. We'll see. They've got options there. I, I suspect they'll be a little bit more hesitant or a little bit more, you know, hesitant of, ret- of returning pawns deep, you know, maybe the next couple of weeks.
2: Quarterbacks, we, this is something we talked about, you know, in our, in our Western Michigan recap podcast, but, you know, as far as JJ McCarthy getting on the field, you know, when he did maybe a little earlier than expected. Uh, well, offensive coordinator, Josh Gaddis, you know, said yesterday that, injuries at the position last year are are certainly on, you know, the coach's mind and uh, getting someone else more experience in case, you know, your starter gets hurt, you know, it does factor into the equation. So I guess I'm, I'm wondering in a game like this, how much you expect to see McCarthy? Like if it's a competitive game throughout, do they still get those reps or is it only, you know, all right, when we can, when we're up enough, let's, you know, get McCarthy out there.
1: I lean toward the latter. Obviously, want to see JJ in some competitive situations, but at that point, they were up. I think thirty-three to seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't really a close game. It was, I think, a little earlier than than typical when Jim Harbaugh puts in his backups. Um, but they realize what they have in JJ. I mean, we we all know when he came in his his ability and his talent level and his arm strength and everything like that. And we saw that Saturday with that that across the field pass. Um, but they also want to see what he can do in real life situations. Other than practice. So I think that was a good opportunity to do that. I think you'll see them do that going forward. So if Michigan does get up, you know, if they do happen to get up big on Washington Saturday, I think you'll see a similar situation. But I I suspect it's not going to be that that the gap isn't going to be that wide. I suspect you'll see Cade most of the game, if not the entire game, you know, unless he, you know, there's injury here. he really, really struggles or whatever the case may be. I do think you'll see more J.J. going forward. I would not be surprised if you see a similar situation against Northern, Northern Illinois in two weeks and then the opener against Rutgers. Uh, the staff wants to see him. They want to see him in games. You mentioned the experience. I, I think that helps. But they and remember, they give an experienced quarterback Alan Bowman on their roster. So it's not like if Kate goes down to a season-ending injury this Saturday, you know, back on wood, that they don't have someone else that can step in and play the quarterback position.
0: Yeah, for, for me, I mean, I, just running through scenarios in my head, I just don't see J.J. Gin in there unless Michigan is somehow up uh, three scores in the in the fourth quarter, even like mid-fourth quarter, just as you don't want to put the ball in his hands and, and one pick six or one mistake is going the other way, it gives the other team momentum, and, and it's become a close game because, yeah, it's not a non-conference game, but this is a huge game for Michigan with, with all the recruits that are going to be on, on campus and, and trying to – demonstrate stability with the program and kind of erase last year's two and four record. This is, this is a really pivotal game for them. And I don't think they're going to, they're going to risk it if, if they don't have to.
1: I don't mean to switch topics or anything, but the point you just brought up, Ryan, I think is fascinating. I, I think it could, and I don't know if you're planning on talking about this, but I think it's one of the under like rated storylines going into Saturday is the impact on recruiting. This game is going to have huge. And you had stored up on mlive.com with all the, like the list of visitors coming Saturday, high level recruits, guys that want to see Michigan win, obviously, and, and how the, you know, how their offensive defenses are going to look, but you know, a win here is crucial. And I think it helps them and a loss. What, what happens from there? You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, a loss in this 2022 class could, I mean, to really look dicey. I mean, they're already in, in a little bit of a slump right now. They haven't gotten a commitment since July 12th. Um, they only have three or four, four stars out of their 15 commits. So, but they, they're they still in the mix for some of these top guys. I mean, there's going to be three five-star guys, top-target guys that are going to be on campus this weekend. Uh, Damani Jackson, five-star corner from California, currently committed to USC, but he's got a really tight bond with, with Will Johnson, Michigan's five-star quarterback commit. Josh Connerly, a five-star offensive lineman. that's It seems like he's between Washington and Michigan right now. So if there's one way to sway his recruitment, I mean, this game could do it. And then obviously Walter Nolan, the, the five-star defensive tackle, the epitome of what Michigan needs at that nose tackle position, the number one overall recruit in this 2022 class. He will also be there. Even if Michigan wins, it's no guarantee they land any of these guys, but there's a reason why they haven't, haven't gotten a commit in a while. These guys want to see Michigan on the field, want them to see win games. And if they're able to start 2-0 and with two kind of nice little victories at the beginning of the season – maybe they'll start, start turning their heads and, and give them some momentum on the recruiting trail moving forward. Cause yeah, it's, just, this is probably the biggest recruiting game Jim Harbaugh has had in his time at Michigan with, with the amount of level of recruits, not even in just 2022, but the amount of 2023 guys that will be there 2024 and with all the changes they made this offseason, season, it's just kind of a, a make it or break it game for, for Michigan
2: and Jim Harbaugh for, for recruiting at least well wow, yeah okay win win saturday and it go it can, it's more than just winning that day uh it it sounds like it's a, it's a big one going forward let's talk about michigan's defense uh, what we see from them going into this game i'll i'll start by just noting that that washington uh and i'll have a scouting report going up on on MLive.com later today the washington offense was just was was horrendous against montana you know, struggled to to move the ball. Three interceptions from their quarterback. But part of that was that they, you know, their their top three receivers were were hurt and didn't play in the game. And then uh, an, another one got hurt on his first catch and was out. So so they they've got guys out there. None of them had ever caught a pass in a Washington uniform. I mean, you know, one of them out there was you know Giles Jackson, who you know from from Michigan. So he he'd done it at the college level. But but still, it was an inexperienced group out there and it showed the guy who played and got hurt he's out for the season it sounds like but the other three are all week to week according to to Washington's coach so it's possible they come back so so that'll be huge you know whether Washington makes a change at quarterback is another another thing they've got a they've got a freshman who was ranked even even higher than McCarthy so yeah that that's something to watch but you know from from Michigan's perspective they were very very good on Saturday uh one thing they didn't do is force any turnovers which Is always partly based on the offense you're facing, but yeah, that, that's something that, you know, can certainly, you know, swing a game, especially, you know, against, against better teams.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because Steve Klinkscale, Michigan's defensive passing in coordinator and, and defensive backs coach was asked about that, that exact question on Wednesday. You know, he asked about when he, when he went back and looked at the tape, did he see opportunities for turnovers? And he kind of smiled and, and, and said, "Yeah, I mean they had five. They he thought they had five, and they had three drops. And and look, turnovers are are going to be a big key to this defense and the way they play because they're trying to keep the ball in front of them. They're trying to prevent the deep balls. But when you when you when you switch to more zone and kind of take your foot off the gas and it comes to man, you, you need to force turnovers. That's how you get off the field. And they didn't have any on Saturday. They came close a couple of times. Vincent Gray had a couple drops. You know, I think uh, Dax thought he could have one. So like turnovers are going to be key." I think they they realize that they're working on it. and And I, I think Saturday was unique because they were, they were clearly game planning against what Western Michigan's RPO offense. They thought they did a good job taking that away. Um, Washington's a little bit different. But when you look back at Washington's game on Saturday, their quarterback Dylan Moore said he was twenty seven to forty six for two twenty six, but he threw three turnovers. So he's clearly rattled. If Montano's able to do it, Michigan should be able to do it but I look for them to try and force some turnovers on Saturday. I think that's the next step in the progression of this, of this
2: defense. You mentioned Dax Hill. I don't, Daxton Hill. I don't <laughs> want to, um, you know, speak down to our listeners, but I don't want to make any assumptions about them either. Like he's not a, um, skill position player. So, but, but I assume many are familiar with him anyway, he's number 30 out there on defense. Like just watch him a couple plays. It's worth just watching him. He, he was all over the field on, on Saturday. And I mean, he, he'll, he will be again this Saturday and, and for many Saturdays and probably then Sundays to come, he's really good.
0: And not only does he have next level speed, but his just his instincts and and his ability to, to read the play. It's like, wow, like look at this guy. <laughs> it, it's quite pretty incredible.
1: I, I think I mentioned it after our, our post-game pod earlier this week, but like when I went back and we watched the game Sunday night, you know, everyone wants to gravitate toward JJ's throw and that one-handed catch by by Ronnie Bell. And, and those plays are fantastic and and great and everything else. But defensively, Dax was just all over the place everywhere. I mean, he was all over the screen. There were a couple plays where he like lined up. But I think I mentioned this, like he lined up at the line you know, drop back and pass coverage, and then still get the tackle with the line of scrimmage. So, like, he was making plays left and right. You know, when we asked Klinkscale yesterday about the defensive performance, he thought they they did a decent job, and they. but he thought there was a lot to clean up. But I meant that I intended to ask about Dax's performance, and he had nothing really critical to say about it because I, I think he was that impressed with Daxton's play. You know, keep in mind, he's still learning new position. He's playing a little bit differently than he did in years past, but his ability to read coverages and you know, play smartly and, and and get to the ball is going to, I think, be a critical factor how successful this Michigan defense is this season.
2: Another thing that came up this week a lot, uh, which isn't directly related to this game, is Ohio State. Um, you know, several Michigan players, you know, unprompted said they're preparing for this game like it's Ohio State. Now, initially, I kind of took that to mean, okay, Washington just is, is coming off a, a, a shocking loss, but we're not overlooking them we're still treating them like we would our our biggest rival but then it kind of morphed into almost like we're doing something for ohio state every single week sprinkling in preparation for them you know in addition to our upcoming opponent i, I don't know what what did you make make of that talk
1: they haven't said that specifically, that there's anything, because like for folks listening, I don't know if, how many are aware, but like every day Ohio State says, every day of practice, Ohio State says there's a specific time carved out to prepare for Michigan, whether it's schematically or preparation-wise. I don't know if Michigan is to that point yet. <clears throat> no one's really told us, but I can tell you this, in talking to the players in the offseason, it really was apparent at Big Ten Media Days in July that the mindset is there with, with Ohio State. I think they really... In years past, we asked about Ohio State and they'd be like, yeah, it's a week to week thing. We'll get to Ohio State kind of when we get to Ohio State week. But now the mentality has changed, mindset has changed. Whereas I think they're trying to measure their play, measure their practice time. They they think they want to elevate themselves to be able to compete practice well enough to to, to compete with Ohio State. So I think I think obviously the mindset remains on the weekly opponent. They said obviously they're not they're not overlooking Washington. I think they're expecting a better Washington this week. But they, they seem to think that they're measuring the practice time in improving to the point where they think they can com- be competitive with Ohio State because, you know, as we've seen years past, they, just, they haven't been able to.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting thing to say. You're preparing like a team you, that you prepare for, you know, that you <laughs> that you haven't beaten. Maybe that's not the best way to prepare. I don't know. I also always go back to what John Beeline used to say about the Michigan State rivalry. I know football is different than basketball, but, you know, he was always like, listen, you guys, speaking to the fans, like, You'd be happy if, you know, we we beat them, but we came in last in the Big Ten and didn't make the NCAA tournament? Like, no, you won not And I kind of feel the same way about Ohio State. As much as you could say a 1-11 in season when you beat them is successful to some, I, I don't know. It, it's it's really not <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. So you don't want to overlook other opon- opponents, is, is my point. All right, so yeah, Michigan, Washington, 8 o'clock on, on ABC primetime game on Saturday. We'll have our exact score predictions uh, on mlive.com slash wolverines friday morning yes luke friday but yeah as long as you guys do to be on time <laughs> <laughs> we will we will so but you know we've obviously you know tipped our hand a little bit and as of now at least we're we're leaning michigan win but to varying degrees of of margin you know i, I certainly think it'll be a, a very competitive game i could be proven wrong, and Washington could just absolutely stink. But we'll see.
1: Look at last last year. I mean, I think everyone. I, mean, I keep going back to that. Everyone thought Michigan played so well at Minnesota; they were looked great. Everyone thought Minnesota was going to be great, and then they laid an egg week two at home
0: against, uh, against Michigan against, State. Yeah, so I, I should go back to see go back and see what our predictions were for that game
2: because I well, think I we know. all had Michigan winning by at least. The, and we Total all had digits. Michigan losing the opener. So we're already off <laughs> yeah. to a much much better start 3 and 0 instead of 0 and 3 and you know we'll see if we can, you know, keep it keep it rolling. I always say listen to kind of the analysis and what we're saying about the team, not so much the very end when it gets down to that specific pr- prediction. Use the information to make your own informed decision. That's what I always say. Well, we'll be back on, on Wolverine Confidential Podcast to discuss that Michigan-Washington game and stay tuned for coverage the rest of the week on mlive.com slash Wolverine. Thank you for listening.